Good morning and welcome to Bite Size Edge, working in association with Edge NLP, where our mantra is unleashing people potential. We speak to a whole host of individuals who all have an inspirational story uh, to share, either for themselves or how they have worked and helped support other people. And today is no exception to that. So very shortly, I'm gonna have the absolute pleasure to introduce you to Sydney May. So welcome, Sid. It's fabulous to have you join us here at the Bite Size Edge podcast. How are you doing today? I'm, I'm doing really well, thank you. Thanks for having me. Oh, very welcome, very welcome. And we were just, just before we pressed record, we were reminiscing. Sid, how long ago did we meet? Oh, that's a good question. Is it five years? It must be about that. Yeah, about four or five years ago. And you came and did your uh, master practitioner with us, didn't you? I did. Yeah, absolutely. And, and so, so Sid, for, for people who listen, because obviously, and again, to, to a point you made prior to me pressing record, it's the audio that goes out, not the visual. So the people who, who are listening to this will have um, no idea at this moment in time that in fact your sight is impaired, isn't it? In fact, you have zero sight. I have zero sight, and uh, as of two weeks ago, no actual eyes. <laughs> oh, that's yeah. that in itself is something we can talk about in a moment. But yeah. I remember when I when I met you, um, you came and joined us for the master practitioner course, and and you said at that time that obviously your sight was massively impaired, um, and it was a real moment for of, of awareness for me. Um, and when you arrived, remind me of what your fabulous, beautiful dog is called? Uh, Mac. Mac. Oh my God. He was, he played an active role in the course, didn't he? He really he did. Gorgeous. But it was, it was a real moment, Sid, of, of, of absolutely noticing how I have taken the ability to see for granted <laughs> um, and, and not appreciating the breadth of things that you have to do in order to make sense of the world outside of you. Um, so the one of the ones that I found fascinating initially was the technology we're using. Tell us a bit about that. Yeah, so uh, the technology I use is, is primarily text-to-speech software. Um, so people are generally very familiar with speech-to-text where you dictate. And so since Apple came out with Siri and all that stuff, a lot of people use dictation even people without disabilities. So the text-to-speech is the other way around where the text on the screen is, is read aloud by generally, you know, lovely, quite computerized voices, which I guess I'm very used to. Um, so yeah, I use those all the time, laptop, iPhone, um, and the technology has just got better and better over, over time really. And it, you know, now I use, particularly on my iPhone, there's, a, there's an app that I use all the time, which you can just point the camera at text and it will read it out to you so I use this for you know post and food labels and you know general day-to-day -day stuff. That's incredible that's incredible and the other thing that that again I hadn't considered was you when you came into the, one of the rooms you if I've got if I remember this correctly um Sid you clicked your fingers in order to get the sound echoing in the room is that correct? I probably did yeah I may have done. <laughs> Tell um, me how that how, how that works for you <laughs> I mean it's not something I I try not to do that kind of thing too often because I feel like it draws a little bit of attention but um it, it's basically a form of echolocation 
like like bats use because it, as soon as you walk into a room you can you can hear uh well I, I can hear kind of where the walls are uh just by sort of sound reflection really and that can be with any noise that's already in the room so sometimes I don't have to make a noise if I walk into a room where there are already noises you can you can get a sense of that uh, so I couldn't even walk around my own home with headphones. I'd, I'd bump into things. Um, oh, really? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, yeah, I could walk around my own home with headphones, but I probably would bump into things, even though I obviously know it like the back of my hat. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. I do, I rely on on sound just to get to get my bearings, and that's inside and outside. And I probably told you right at the beginning, you know, if the fire alarm goes off, I'm a bit lost, because then there's noise from everywhere, and I lose that ability to be able to hear kind of, hear where the walls are, which I appreciate is a weird statement. <laughs> no, but I, I, yeah, it, well, yeah, for me, I, I initially kind of go, wow, that's extraordinary. And I then having having spent a week with you, Sid, I kind of saw that come to life for you. Yeah. Um, and, and so that was that was fascinating. But for me, I think one of the one of the big things that I I took away from it was, as I said at the beginning of this conversation, um, how I had not considered, or rather how I'd lived my life very much within the parameters of the sighted individual. And it drew my attention to, to, the, to the disability of you know, mm. sight loss or impaired sight. How, how through your life has that, you know, how has that presented itself for you from a perspective of, of people not understanding it, not getting it, um, responding differently to you? What sort of things have occurred? I mean, I think, why wouldn't you have lived that way for, for starters, you know? Um, but yeah, there's, I think there's a variation. There's, there's always been a big variation of responses to me. Um, one of them is utter terror. Uh, people are often, often kind of quite terrified, not terrified of me, but kind of terrified of not knowing what to do with me. Um, I often meet people who are just kind of, yeah it's 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 fear it's oh my god what do I do what if I do something wrong what if I say something wrong um and some people don't understand at all some people choose to try and avoid the subject you know I had a difficult time in in school particularly with people just kind of not really knowing what to do so not doing anything right um and I think it it takes a special kind of person for it not to be a thing uh and I you know I hugely value my friends and they are particular people who have taken me on as a friend and not let that be an issue um and it's you know I almost quite like it sometimes when a friend walks off and forgets to guide me because it, it means they're not thinking about that all the time right um and I, I actually I went on a massive I went on a tour of Costa Rica earlier this year with oh a friend. I followed you Sid I followed you <laughs> it was just it was incredible it was incredible, but the thing I found incredible was it came about while having a pint with a friend a couple of months earlier because she was telling me about this tour that she was about to go on. And I've, I've never left Europe. I've never done anything like that. And, uh, but I speak a bit of Spanish. I was dying to visit somewhere like that. Uh, and I kind of just said, oh, my God, I'm so jealous. I'd love to go. And she sort of said, well, why don't you? Um, and you know, this, is, this is just a friend, not a partner. And, you know, she was happy for me to come along. And that meant you know, she had to work harder mm -hmm. for that holiday than she would have done if I wasn't there. Mm. Um, and but that to that to me was a was a really incredible thing. And it, it just takes so a certain kind of person 
I think, and it means I have to be slightly, slightly more choosy about who my friends are. Um, right. Well, not that I have to be choosy, but I have to find find my my people, I guess. Who, yeah. Who accept it for what it is and accept me for the for the person who I am, and don't let that be a barrier because I always try not to let it be a barrier. Mm, absolutely. And I, 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 I've seen also you've been, you've taken up swimming. That's right. Uh, I did. I, well, I tried. I did a, I did a sea swim last year on a very rough day. Um, and I have to say it hadn't been in since. Um, <laughs> I have a. I, I do open water swimming now as well. And, yeah. Uh, but I'm I've got a few friends late. who do. <laughs> I hear how good it is for you. I, know, I, I hear how good it is. But I, I did take up running last year. I saw that as well, actually. Yeah. Yeah, and that's that's the main thing I do, and that's with a with a guide runner who is right. fantastic. Who sort of I met because of that because he's a he's a massive massive runner, right? Um, and he just fancied do, do, trying something different, and uh, a friend put us in touch, and that's been that's been amazing. And he's he's kind of coached me as well as guided me, um, and yeah, and since then I've joined the gym, so I go and run independently on a treadmill, and then I can run outside with a guide uh, which That's I need amazing. to get back to I've had two weeks so, so, so are we going to get you to be doing a half marathon or something oh my god well I'm nowhere near uh, I did the couch to 5k last year done. Um, and did the 5k race for life just before having the first of my two eye operations I've had in the last nine months and then it took me a little while after that to get back to 5k mm-hmm. um, after having a little bit of time off and I've now my personal best distance is 6k so I'd like to get to 10 yeah and then we'll see i'm just yeah, i'm fine. taking you get, it. you get to 10 and then we'll get you booked up on a half marathon <laughs> <laughs> it's the next logical step isn't it, isn't it? Isn't i feel it? a long way off right now <laughs> it's not been easy i i'm still at that stage i don't enjoy running i enjoy knowing i've run afterwards well, that's I'm interesting not. isn't it because yeah. that's i i think that is possibly quite a common thread for people that the oh, actual definitely. enjoyment in the running might not, i don't i don't enjoy the run no. I enjoy being able to say at the end of it, I've just done that. I've achieved yes, that. Exactly. Um, so, it's hard yeah, while you're doing it. Exactly. Where there's other people I know who actually get great pleasure from the run themselves. And I oh, think, my guide runner does. He loves it. it yeah, but, but then then I think there must, as you rightly said, you're talking about a certain sort of person. Yes. I you know, so. I think for a guide runner, and I used to do the park runs. Yeah. Um, and there were a couple of guide runners there mm. with. Um, with people with impaired sight and it, I was blown away by it and, and they said themselves they love running they yeah. absolutely love running so to be able to share that love of running yeah. with with individuals who who might find it more challenging to do so yeah. is is a bit of a gift for them absolutely yeah, it's great I've done one park run yeah um, but yes it's a great atmosphere isn't it the park run I love it oh, it's, they're fabulous fun they are fabulous yeah. fun so, so, Sid, tell me a little bit more about the mentoring work that you do in partnership with the um, National Sight Loss Charity. Yeah, so I got involved. Uh, a friend told me about this charity called Look UK uh, about, what was that, about three years ago. And they run a peer mentoring project where uh, people with sight loss over the age of 18 can train and become mentors generally to people other people with sight loss under 18 but sometimes they can also be over 18 depending on the position they're in so I trained as a mentor for them uh, and then last year ended up working for them so I was a volunteer mentor for a while I had a couple of young mentees um, and then I've 
managed to get myself a job with them. So I'm now working as a mentor project officer in the Sussex area uh, because they, look, UK are a national charity, but they didn't really have a presence down here. Um, they're based in Hereford, but they've, right. they've really branched out uh, in the time that I've been there. They've now got people working for them in various sort of corners of the country. Mm -hmm. So I'm now spreading the word and training mentors in Sussex. I've done two mentor trainings in the last year where we've trained groups of mentors and then matched them up with mentees. So my job is a mixture of recruiting new ones, doing the trainings and then supporting the partnerships as they go. And, and what does the actual mentor programme consist of? What, does, what are they mentoring people on or for? I mean, the, the idea is obviously that it's peer mentoring. So it's right. people who are slightly older, but who have been through similar situations and experiences. Um, so this is younger visually impaired people talking to older visually impaired people and we try and match them up based on something they have in common whether it's the same level of sight the same condition interests you know if the mentor is in a career that the mentee would like to get into mm -hmm. so it can be about it can be about whatever the mentee needs it to be about really but it's all about kind of sharing your experiences the mentee can ask questions they can ask you know maybe they're going through their GCSEs and they want to know how how the mentor got through theirs um, and it's just about sharing experiences. It's all done online. It's all really safe and moderated. Um, like I say we train the mentors ourselves and then DBS them. And, and uh, because it's all done by written communication on an online platform, it's very easy to moderate and to make sure we know what's, you know, what's being talked about and that it's all, all safe and above board. And it's just, it's helped so many people. Um, I think we've got over a hundred mentors on our books now nationally. And it's just, it's made a massive, massive difference to the mentees. It's the kind of thing that I probably would have used when I was a teenager, if it had, if it had existed. Um, so that, that was, that was going to be my next question for you, Sid. Did, did it, has anything like this or did anything like this exist when you were growing up? No, not particularly. Um, definitely not this project. This project's been running for about, I think about five or six years. Um, so no, I had, I mean, I was very... I was, I've always been called old for my years and I did have some older friends when I was right. a teenager, but kind of friends I sort of found myself really. Um, but no, not a, not a specific mentoring project like this. And it, it definitely would have, would have helped me at the time. So was there, what, was there anything in place that you were able to um, fall back on, get in contact with through your journey of growing up? Um, not massively, I think. Within the, the kind of VI vision impaired world, I think the closest I had to that was the RNIB used to run these holidays in the summer holiday, you know, like the PGL mm -hmm. activities. They, they would run these weeks and this is where I found some of my older vision impaired friends. They would run these holidays for 12 to 17 year olds. And I went the first year when I was 12 and made some very good friends who I stayed friends with for many years after that. Mm. Um, and one of them was my my kind of who I would regard as my best friend at the time was three years older than me and had been right. through some stuff of her own in school and so those relationships were were massively important to me at the time mm. and, uh, yeah got me through some hard times that's for sure but my best friend who I met because these holidays brought people from all over the country uh my best friend was from Cardiff which was tricky yes we still managed to see each other that's good that's good I'm glad to hear that so so within this mentoring program what do you think has, has, have there been any kind of like common themes or challenges 
the um the mentor mentees mentees yeah <laughs> the mentees um have, have experience that you think there's you know there's there's a learn there for the wider community um to be to be mindful and to be aware of where we can help by being more expansive in the way that we're mm. responding i think i think the most common thing is is the social side particularly in school and this is something i can massively relate to because like i said earlier um a lot of the issue I had in school was mainly that people just didn't know what to do or how to talk to me. So they just didn't talk to me. Mm. And I think that's a really common theme and something that, that we try and do. And I've, I've done a lot of talks in schools just to try and to try and raise awareness and just to help people understand that a person with a disability, with any disability is still a person. Mm -hmm. And just to talk to people and talk to all people like they're all people. Yeah. And I think that's particularly, and I, you know, you can understand how younger people, children and teenagers, they don't know how to talk to different people. They may not have seen a, a disabled person before. And I think that it's so often that that fear of saying the wrong thing stops people from saying anything at all. Yeah. So I think the biggest barrier is just understanding is people just having an understanding of, okay, that person can't see or that person can't walk, but actually the rest of them works. Like mm -hmm. the, their brain works because uh, that I feel is the most common one is you get treated like your brain doesn't work. It, it was my pet hate growing up really? um, to be patronized <clears throat> and to be, yeah, literally kind of talked to like you're, you know, I, it frustrated me when I was a teenager. People would be talking to me like I was a baby. Mm. Um, I feel like that was my most common issue with adults was mm -hmm. it probably didn't help that I was very small and very tiny and people, yeah people talked to me like I was much younger than I was. Right. Um, I, 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 I recognise what you're saying there, because I remember some situations that I've either been involved in or I've, I've observed where mm -hmm. um, someone has been talking to someone with a disability and suddenly they're slowing down and speaking differently. Yes, exactly. And the person's in a wheelchair or they're, you know, they've yep. got a, a, a guide dog as fabulous as Max or something, but they're yep. the, the leap from what they see to what they assume is huge. Exactly. Um, without without actually asking that question. Mm. Something I did find interesting was I I was previously in a relationship with a with a wheelchair user who was not in a wheelchair when we first met. It was a degenerating uh, condition, mm -hmm. and when we first met, I had a white cane uh, and she had a walking stick, mm -hmm. and people would automatically talk to her. And then when the when it switched and she was in a wheelchair and I was behind the chair, they would suddenly talk to me instead. Oh. So it was an interesting shift of people look to the most able looking person. And of course, because I was behind the wheelchair and often pushing, they did not assume that I couldn't see. Yeah. Isn't that yeah. interesting? Isn't it? That's yeah. that, 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 that subconscious that bias that we have. Yeah. You know, and, and, and have you ever called anyone out on things like that? Sid. I do and I, I had a situation really really recently actually when I was coming home from a gig with a friend and we were at Brighton station at about 2 a.m because we'd come all the way back from Milton Keynes and uh, we were jumping in separate taxis so obviously my friend was going her way and I was going my way and I we opened the door and I was getting into the back of the taxi and the driver looked over at my friend and went oh when he realized she wasn't getting in as well he looked over at my friend and went uh, can can she get out the other end Wow. Uh, and I just went, uh, talk to me. And yes, I can. 
uh, and I, I do. And my, my friend was appalled and kind of didn't really know what to say. Mm. Um, and I just, and sort of when people do that, I, I now just say, you know, you, you can talk to me. Uh, mm. I, I can hear you and I can respond. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, that was, I say that was about last month. So it, it happens. It still happens. Yeah. And, and do you think that you talked at the beginning about um, there's, you know, there's almost a people don't say anything or they have that whole fear of getting it wrong. Yeah. Do you think, you know, that sort of situation is on the back of it, naivety, ignorance, yeah. for sure. And yeah. do you think there is an element of fear there about, you know, again, as you talked about, about potentially getting it wrong. So they, of course. you know, in this instance, the cab driver got it wrong straight away. Yeah, and he was obviously thinking, well, what, what am I going to do with this person? What do I do when she gets to her destination? So how much mm. help do I need to, you know, he, he panicked. And what he should have done was asked me. Mm. But I think he, he panicked and looked to the sighted person who was not getting in the taxi. Mm. So, it's, yeah, it's, and actually I chatted to him all the way home. And, and then when we got there, I said, right, point me in the direction of the correct door and I'll be on my way. Uh, and it, it ended fine. But yeah. it was obviously, I think, just that that moment of not knowing what to do. And like you say, he, he got it wrong. Yeah. But I don't feel he got it wrong with any malice. Yes. Yeah. Very, very rarely malicious. And I have to yeah. try not to get too annoyed when people do that, uh, because I know it's not. It's actually very rare that I've ever been bullied or, mm. you know, had anybody do anything malicious. It's generally because people just get things wrong. Yeah, and I, I, there's a, there's a there's a, a story in my own life that I I remember quite clearly where I did I was a little bit like that cab driver in mm. a slightly different way that I was when I worked at John Lewis and there was a, a guy um, uh, with a stick mm-hmm. um, massively impaired sight and he came over to me and asked me where, what did he want he wanted to know where um, I think it was the audio and TV department as it would have been called there was mm-hmm. and I went yes. There, it's just over here. Follow me. <laughs> <laughs> and thankfully, he did exactly that. Yeah. He, that's what I I would have said to anyone. You know, yeah. follow me. Yeah. So to your point, that I I the treatment was exactly the same regardless. I didn't see the disability. Well, that's good though. Yeah. But but in essence, I also didn't see the disability. So no. he, luckily, he stood there laughing, and he said, yeah. "I might need a little bit more guidance than just follow me." Oh, I love it. I love it. The, the over there or over here is the, yeah. is the favourite in the community. It really is. It's, <laughs> it's imagine. happened to all of us. It did happen to me recently as well. I think I was looking for the, the card machine to pay for something and they went, oh, it's just here. I was like, yeah, you're, you're going to need to give me a little bit more. And then I just, but I laugh and you have to laugh. Oh my God, you have to laugh. Yeah. That's yeah. the kind of thing. And if you laugh, the other person laughs and then we can laugh about the fact that they screwed it up. Yeah, just, and I, that's the kind of thing that I cannot get angry about because, like you say, that's the sort of thing you would just say to everybody. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and 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 I've got I've got another one. When I had a, years ago, I had a friend who was who was in a wheelchair. Thinking about what you were saying there, mm. and he wanted to go Christmas shopping. I took him to Milton Keynes. You mentioned Milton Keynes. Yeah, Christmas shopping, and I'm pushing him around in the wheelchair, and he he says to me, he said, he said, can you feel? Can you see my feet? I said, no, I can't. Yeah. And I'll, I'll miss out the exclusive. And he went, well, the woman in front can effing feel them. <laughs> and again, we laughed because I had, I had no concept of yeah. kind of what I, and, I, and you know, that, that whole fear element you talked about. Mm. I was fearful of getting it wrong, Sid. Yeah. 
And it's yeah. natural. It's understandable. Yeah, I don't Pedro, mind. I, you yeah, know. Pedro, I was pushing him at 100 miles an hour. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and again, it, it was, a, but, but, you know, if I think about both those stories, they were years ago for me. And I remember mm. them really clearly because yeah. for both of them, there was a big learn. Yeah. And, and I, you probably beat yourself up about them for a while. I did beat myself up about them. And then I was actually really grateful of the opportunity to have that learn. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's the point though, if, if you do learn from that, and I hope, you know, the taxi driver I had recently would learn from it as well. Hmm. Um, and I think that I'm always trying to teach people and I'm always trying to let people learn and not get angry with people when they have to learn. Yeah. Because it's, it's a very common thing that like, like you, you hadn't come across much visually impairment before you met me. Yeah. And that's a very common thing. You know, even my family hadn't met anybody visually impaired till I came along. Yeah. And everybody has to has to learn. And it's and it's why I love going to the schools and doing the talks to the children, because I think the younger, the better. Mm. The mm. younger you can learn, you know, just that people are people, I think, is the, yeah. is the best message possible. Message. And, and try and take away that fear. Yeah. And yes, absolutely. Absolutely. I think there's a real message around that, isn't there, Sid? Mm. With, with any any form of disability, yeah. um, you know, there's that that initial kind of almost bias that kicks in, and it is based on primarily based on fear, I'm sure. So I think I think spreading the spreading the word and spreading the messages at school is a really good starting point. Yeah, obviously, I haven't been able to do much of that since pandemic times, but I I used to do quite a lot of it. Yeah, around yeah. the area, and of course they love it when you bring a dog into a classroom, and they just and they but they pay attention and they listen. And I think sometimes the younger the better. And the thing I love about talking to the younger kids is that they're not they they don't have that fear yet. Yeah, and they're they're not afraid to ask questions, and it, it can be really fun because they can ask ridiculous questions. Um, yeah, you know the most common question I used to get asked by the really young ones was how does the guide dog help you drive, which I <laughs> just love it. But then I would make them think about it and I'd say, right, well, do, do you think I should drive? Do you think I'd be safe to drive? And then they kind of go, oh, maybe not. Maybe not. But, but they're not afraid to ask at that point. Once you get to adults, they're kind of, they might have questions, but they're afraid to ask them. And I always encourage people, just, just ask questions. You're not going to upset me. I'd rather you ask than try to assume and, and got it wrong. Yeah. Just always ask. You're never going to upset me by asking a question. Yeah, absolutely. And I think also the younger, the younger you get them, the less influenced they are already by peer groups, yes, parents, exactly. schools, whatever it might be, whatever the, the influencing factors yeah. might be in the world that, you yeah. know, which unfortunately leads us to bias. Yeah. Um, you know, they've got less of that, haven't they? Yeah. Which is lovely. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I remember my daughter, when she was very young, she went to school and um, there was a fabulous little girl in her classroom. She was the only non-white individual in the class. Oh, wow. And Frankie asked, Frankie wanted, um, what was her name? Cherish, Cherish, I think it was. Oh, wow. And um, beautiful name. And Frankie mm. one night, one day said to me, can, can Cherish come home to play? And I said, yes, yeah, certainly. I said, which one's Cherish? And she said, she's the one with the lovely black hair. <laughs> Because she didn't see. Yeah, that's nice. That's so nice. It's beautiful, isn't it? Because, yeah. and this is to your point about talking to them when they're younger. Yeah. They don't see the 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 the, the enforced the, prejudice that, that can be laid. Um, they don't care. 
wrong. No, of course they don't, which is the most... In the nicest possible way. They just don't care. It doesn't, yeah. it doesn't face them. You know, I, I had a great group of friends in primary school. It was when I got to secondary that life started getting difficult because that's when mm. people start thinking. But, you yeah. know, young, young kids, they just don't... It doesn't bother them. That you, you tell them something and they just go, okay. Yeah. You know, you tell yeah. them somebody can't see and they go, all right, fine. You know, it doesn't, yeah, exactly. they don't worry in the same way that, what, that we do once we get older. Yeah, absolutely. So you mentioned Max, your fabulous dog that obviously cannot help you drive a car. <laughs> no, he can do how most long, things. How long have you had Max? Uh, so I've had him nearly nine years. Uh, I had he's, the pleasure of meeting Max. He's beautiful. He is. And, and tell me what role Max plays in your world. Well, so he is, I say he's just a guide dog because that's all he does as opposed, you know, people ask if he does things around the house. I haven't managed to train him to get me beer out the fridge. Um, so <laughs> out and about, he guides and he's, he's always been a fantastic guide, um, kind of showcased by when, when we met and we were in a new, a new place, staying there for a week. And we spent a little bit of time learning our way from our room to the hotel, to the main building. Um, and he's just, he's just been fantastic. And he, he's 10 now. He retires at the end of this year. Um, okay which is a horrible thought. Yes, uh, I'm sure. I, he, he was my first as well. Um, he's staying with me. So when he retires, he becomes my pet. Oh. Uh, I can't send him away to live with someone else just because he's not working for me anymore. Um, no. I can't do that. But no, he has been. And he's been phenomenal company. Uh, you know, a lot has happened in nine years. Mm. Um, and I've, I've moved house I don't know how many times I've moved house and he has just learnt where the new front door is instantly and our, our new routes home from work. Uh, and he's just, he's been absolutely phenomenal. And as you saw, I mean, obviously this was five years ago. He was younger, incredibly playful, mm. um, nonstop really. And he's, he's chilled out a lot since you saw him. Um, you know, he's, he's winding, he's winding down. He's a lot more, he's a lot more chill. He's got less stamina than he did back then yeah so his workload is winding down I live about five minutes away from from my work and I do a longer walk one way so we do like a 20 minute walk in one direction but then the short walk home and that's you know that's enough for him now yeah yeah, um, so yeah how, long, a, how long is the, the training program that that Max would have gone on for him to be able to you know have this role with you so it's it's only about six months so they they don't start guide dog training till they're a year old so they're physically fully grown. Um, so in the first year, they live with a family and they get taught all the standard puppy things that you teach a puppy, all the, all the standard puppy training, house training, and they start to socialise them. Uh, and their puppy owners will be encouraged to you know, take them to maybe more places than you would take a puppy to try and get them used to the fact that they will be going to lots of different places. Yeah. Uh, and then about a year, then they move on. To their to their guide dog training and that's when the harness goes on and then it's it's about six months kind of quite intensive every day uh putting that harness on and teaching them what it means really and teaching them to walk around the obstacles and stop at the curbs and to understand left right and forward and so many things um, yeah I, I mean they're amazing yeah i mean as you know we've got two dogs you've got two now yeah did you not yeah we've got so we had sydney yeah been there we go Sydney when I met you yes Um, I think I don't think you'd had him long when I met you no he would have been a puppy because he'll be fixed this year and we subsequently got Stanley Sydney and Stanley I love it he will be 
three. Uh, Are they the same breed? Yeah, they're both Labradoodles. Stan is a second gen, uh, first first gen, so a poodle and a Labrador. Whereas Sid was is the is the um, outcome of two Labradoodles. Okay. Oh, do they get on? They do get on. Stan's much, his fur's much more like Max's, so yeah. it's great. But he's orange in colour, literally. Oh. <laughs> so um, he's a very different colour to look at. Sure. Yeah, very interesting. So tell me, as we, as we come to, to, to the end of the, the podcast, I'd love to hear a little bit more about what you're actually doing for yourself, though. So you're based in Brighton. You're an NLP master practitioner and coach. You're running your own coaching programs now within that. I've seen your social media is superb. Tell yeah. us a little bit more about what you're doing there and how well, I've benefit from working with you. So I've been... Um, obviously working for two two charities part-time and that that takes a lot of my time but I've always wanted you know my goal really when I did the master practitioner and I've done several coaching qualifications since is I've always wanted to do the life coaching kind of properly and do it myself mm-hmm. and do it for myself and finally this year I've now got a business coach and somebody doing my Instagram hence why it finally looks good <laughs> um, and it's just one of those things that I had to invest in myself and I had to pay somebody to do my Instagram and I kept saying I was going to do it but I knew I I wasn't going to do it I didn't have the time the time or the energy to dedicate to learning what I needed to do Um, and Instagram is also very visual and there's there's lots of elements to it that I just actually physically can't do so part of it was accepting that and kind of saying okay I, I need somebody else to do this and I'm very lucky that one of my best friends is is very good at this stuff and I've basically hired her to do this for me so this is very new this year. So she's working on my Instagram, but I've been coaching on the side the whole time, really, since doing the, the master practitioner with you. Yeah. Um, and I've just had a few clients here and there. Um, so now I'm really trying to work on it. And my my goal really eventually is to do more, more of that, more of that freelance stuff. Uh, right. So I'm primarily, I, I use the NLP in my coaching a lot. Mm-hmm. And I also sort of discovered since doing that qualification the the Sydney banks and the three principles yeah um, again there seems to be a lot of a lot of Sydney's around no, um, it's a great name it's a good name I like it um, so yeah I, I discovered Sydney banks and the, the three principles and just and love it um and it just it, it makes sense to me and it clicked to me mm-hmm. um I don't know how are you aware of, of Sydney banks yeah I've, I've got yeah I've had have an awareness yeah um sure I'm glad just the yeah just the methodology kind of clicked Mm. for me um and the the, his way of understanding the world yeah just really really clicked for me so I use a combination really of of you know I think there's so many different methodologies that you can learn with coaching and I think the more you learn the better and I'm always trying to learn I'm doing a positive psychology course at the moment I think all of these put together the more you have in your in your arsenal so to speak the more you can you can help people with with different methodologies because the same methodology doesn't work for everybody no absolutely so yeah that's that's, so what's, what's, the company, what's it called what's your business called um well it's just me really <laughs> it doesn't it doesn't have a business name okay um my my instagram is sydmay coach s-y-d-m-a-y c-o-a-c-h um so yeah it's just me i'm sydney may um there isn't a specific kind of business name to that whether there will be I, I don't know yet. I'm just kind of doing it, doing this it, as me and seeing where it takes it's me. It's never just you, Sydney. It's never, 
just to you for sure. So finally, finally, tell me a little bit about Torrid. About what, sorry? Torrid. Ah, so yes, the other, the other area of my life is music. Um, and I've been very lucky. And again, this is something that's happened since, since I last saw you, mm -hmm. uh, is I met the, the friend I went to Costa Rica with, in fact, is the singer of the band. And we met a few years ago because she put a post on Facebook looking to put a band together. She'd written some songs. She'd been writing songs for years and not doing anything with them. Um, and she finally put something out, put a band together. And I responded as a bass player. Uh, and this year we have been signed and we've released our debut album, which is oh, well, that's that's phenomenal. That's pretty and amazing. People like us. We're kind of heavy, grungy rock uh, with, with very melodic kind of it's bizarre. It's heavy music, but very melodic vocals. We love our three part harmonies. Um, it's so much fun. And I'm just I don't know where it's going. I don't think we're, we're envisaging fame and Wembley Stadium, but. We're all doing it because we absolutely love it. Um, and oh. people kind of seem to like us. So we're gigging in Brighton. We've got a gig in London in August. Oh, that's um, just amazing. Yeah, so Torrid, Torrid, a love affair. We're, yeah, we're out there. We're on the, we're on all the streamings. And, that's yeah. absolutely fabulous. So Sid, thank you so much for your time today. Thank if you were going to leave, leave the people who are listening with a message from you, that would be a learn for them, what would it be? Oh God. Yeah, put you on the spot now. <laughs> Come on now, pull it out of your arsenal, as you said. <laughs> She's be very careful how I say that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think my, my biggest message is what I said earlier, that people are people. Mm. And I think, take us all as we are, um, and don't judge people. I think don't judge people for who they are or what they are. You know, I'm saying this as a disabled person who's part of the LGBTQ community. I couldn't be, as my mum always says, I couldn't have made life much more difficult for myself. <laughs> um, couldn't be too many more minorities in one. Um, and I just think we're, we're all people. Um, find out who somebody is before you make a judgment, I think. You know, talk to somebody first. Um, yeah, that was probably not as quick and succinct as you would have No, I like it, Sid, that's perfect, <laughs> perfect, absolutely. And I will share all the, um, your social media links so that people can find you. Um, and also we'll find, uh, we'll get a link on there for your band so people can find um, and listen to that as well, listen to your music, that'd be fabulous. Thank you so Sid, much. from me, a huge big thank you. It's been brilliant to, to speak with you again and to see you. Um, I hope the, your, the operation you had recently continues to um, progress well for you. Thank you. Um, and I will watch with bated breath <laughs> the breakthrough of fame <laughs> in one way or another. But it's been an absolute pleasure having you on board. So thank, thank you, you for so inviting much. me. Thank you. So thank you for joining us at Bite Size Edge. It was fabulous to talk to the fabulous Sydney May. Uh, I will share all the links to um, her social media sites and her band um, in the um, notes attached. Uh, please do follow us, listen to some of our other podcasts. You can follow us and however you access your podcasts, whether it's through Spotify, iTunes, Google Music, you can find us there. Until the next time, have a fabulous rest of the day. <laughs>